go first and explain what we're doing for those listeners. Yeah, this is Lisa and Julie and I are Run Farther and Faster. We've been coaching together for nine years and this coming year will be our 27th cumulative Boston Marathon running um, and finish. This will be my 16th time going back to Boston um, and it never loses its luster or excitement. So uh, though you know, we've been there so many times that we've got lots of tips and lots of experience that we like to share with each other and our runners, but we've also always got something new to learn and new to try. So I'm excited. We'll get to talk about our training and share that with others. That's right. So Lisa, before we, Boston specifically, um, would you mind just saying a little bit about yourself, people who don't know who we are and we're wondering why these two yeah. people are talking. Good, okay. good idea. Good introduction. Um, yeah. So uh, Julie and I, you know, we, you know, we both have very similar uh, journeys to running. Um, I never ran, I didn't do anything athletic when I was young and didn't really come to running until I was in law school and ran with some friends as stress release and found that I really liked it and did a little 5k for uh, my sister who was student teaching for her school and did really well. Uh, it was a small race, granted, and it was mostly kids and their parents running the race, but I did well. And I thought, wow, this is, you know, I've never been able to do well at anything athletic. This may be something I really enjoy. So I uh, started running and doing well and started with just 5Ks and said, that's good. And then maybe I'll do a 10K. I swore I would never do a marathon. I remember watching the finish of Marine Corps one year when it was pouring and the runners finishing were wrapped in their silver mylar blankets and shivering and walking home. And I said, I will never do that. And uh, I'm going to date myself. I believe that was in 1990. 1990. I would say it's probably 1998 or I I forget. Maybe it was that early. It was in the late 90s. I ended up. Um, it was probably 99 because I think after maybe 98, because after that I ran, uh, army 10 miler and, okay. uh, I, it ended up being a pouring raining day just like that. And I thought, oh my gosh. And I ran it and it wasn't so bad. And I finished mm-hmm. and I said, gosh, if I did that in the pouring cold rain, maybe I could do a marathon and joined a training group. Um, which, you know, as a side note was the only training group I've ever trained with. I've never, since then I've always trained on my own for Boston. Um, so that was the only training group I ever joined. And I remember when I joined them, they said, what's your goal? And I said, well, you know, I just want to finish. And they said, well, do you have a goal time? And I said, well, I don't know, five hours maybe would be good. And they sort of laughed and said, I think you're going to do a little better than that. Just based on my, you know, my finish times for my shorter races. And I said, well, five hours will be fine. I'll be happy with five hours. So I ran that first race, that first Marine Corps marathon in 2000 and I qualified for Boston. So there was some latent talent there to run and ability to run. And I qualified for Boston and I didn't even know what that meant. They, I finished, they said, you qualified for Boston. I said, what is that? And I, don't even and I, I mean, What's I Boston? love that story so much because that really generally never happens. Uh, what was your time? I forget. What was your time? Your 324, I think it was, it was, it was mean, 320, 323, 324, somewhere around there. That's insane. And you had no, you, you had finished. And I didn't even know what Boston, honestly, I was qualified for Boston. <laughs> and I was like, what, what, what is Boston? What is Boston? And I mean, this was a time now, granted, in 2000. <laughs> And again, this is probably dating as ourselves as well, but you could, you could, you could register for Boston until the week before Boston, you could get a hotel 
you could get, um, you know, your flights, everything. You could just walk up to Boston, basically. And, <laughs> and it, there was one wave, and it, it, it went off at noon. So it was a very different experience. But, yes, I qualified for Boston. And then um, quickly, as a side story, I hated training in the cold. And obviously, training for Boston is, is over the winter and something we can talk about more as we get into this. But had to train in the cold. And um, I went out for one of my first training runs, and it was so cold in my I have Raynaud's, so my fingers and my toes freeze up and hurt really bad in the cold. And I thought it was miserable. So then I said, all right, well, maybe I'll run on a treadmill. And so I remember trying to do like a 15-mile run on a treadmill, and it was awful. And so then I said, well, at least on an elliptical, I can read a book or a magazine. I couldn't do that on a treadmill, but I could do it on the elliptical. At least I can read and keep myself occupied. So maybe I'll just like go and do like, you know, once a week, I'll do like two hours on the elliptical. And then maybe I'll do some shorter treadmill runs or shorter elliptical training. And I ended up doing most of my training on the elliptical all winter long because I just wanted to go to Boston. I really just said, you know, I qualified. I just want to go and now experience this Boston experience. And I don't really care what my time is. And I trained on the elliptical all winter and I finished five minutes slower than my qualifying okay. time. So. <laughs> so that also is insane. Don't try this at home, kids. And do you still yes. train on an elliptical? <laughs> no, I don't. And I always tell people that story, but I tell them, A, I was really young. I was, uh, I guess I was like 26 years, 27 years old at the time. I was young. I was stupid. I would not do that anymore. But elliptical is great cross training and something we'll also talk about. So you know, I, I love your story of your first Boston. So why don't you, you share some of that? All right. Well, um, my running experience is somewhat parallel to Lisa's, except I did not finish my first marathon in 324. Um, like Lisa, I started um, when I was a bit older and I started running in law school to relieve stress. And um, I somehow got coaxed in running um, a race when I was working as in my first attorney job. Uh, lawyers have heart. The time I started and now serve on the board and it's a terrific race in DC and I put a bib on my my I didn't even know where to put a bib I slapped it actually on, on the back, back and put it on the front <laughs> around um and I realized it was super fun at all to compete athletically in something other than um dance or cheerleading which was the only somewhat athletic thing I did growing up in fact there's an old journal of mine that I, I have very few things from my childhood in my home, but one of which is a memory book I kept in third grade, which said one of the things I like least about school, and I wrote running in gym class. I so love it. That indicates how much I hated running as a child. <laughs> you got to frame that. Yeah. So um, I, it, it really morphed into marathon training when I, I started working in the uh, Fairfax County Public Defender's Office after my first job in the private sector. I was really stressed working in that job for obvious reasons, and I found a lot of solace in running long distances with my, my colleagues there, and somehow um, we together decided to train and run the Marine Corps Marathon, which, like you, was my first marathon, and unlike you, I wanted to finish uh, the, the I didn't really have a time goal, but through my training, I train with uh jennifer schwartz and she and i ran oh, i love that DC together and she um kind of helped me on the value of running those uh long runs at a conversational pace we both used of course the hal higdon training plan because that's what every new marathoner uses it seems like and i finished in 350 under four hours and perfect i was super excited about that and um I ran a Marine Corps 
five times, I believe, in baby and for Boston. Um, I think on my, I believe it was my third marathon and didn't actually run Boston until after I had uh, my second child and I ran my Boston seven months after having her and it was in 2007 and it was unfortunately the year of the Nor'easter and um, I was super proud of myself. I'd already training time and the money into the hotel and flights, etc. It was quite scary. The race was going to be canceled and then it wasn't. And then I was sitting in a tent on a trash bag surrounded by people I didn't know. Just wondering what in trajectory led me to this very spot. Oh, that sounds familiar from last year, except for the not knowing people. Then we knew people. (laughs) Yes. There's a lot of comfort in numbers and I didn't have that, but um, once, once I got to the start line and started going, it's cleared. Winds were not nearly as scary as they sounded the night before in the towering Sheraton hell and to, to get through the race. And I think I finished in around 3:43 or something. And it, it was enough back then to requalify me for Boston for the following year. And, um, we can talk about this more throughout our podcast, but I, I really understood how to train better and drop my time significantly from that based on just proper uh, training and moderating paces. And um, I think there's a lot to be said about that. So that is what prompted both of us to start coaching was we both realized that there was so much value in having the right information and having a, a way to share that information with others, to help them succeed. We both found to be very rewarding. So actually have seeing um a credentials behind it so we say rather than just give advice that may or may not be taken and um it's been really great so these i met nine and uh yeah you want to tell that story yeah, that was, a, you know, that, uh, that actually is really funny to think back on. I, you know, you know this, that we had a mutual friend who would always tell us, you need to meet Julie. She reminds me of you. She's a you know great runner and she has young kids and she's an attorney and you need to meet. And I had actually, my first foray into coaching uh, was coaching as an ambassador for a pedometer company, a, a walking group you know, get, get this group to be able to walk a 5k. And we had a group of my neighbors and friends and we did it and it was great. And we went to this race that was a 5k and half marathon in DC. And when we got there, my neighbor who was part of this walking group said, Hey, Julie's here. You need to meet her. And we finally got to meet and it was just, the timing couldn't have been better. We both had just been certified as running coaches. We both had signed up to help coach um, local programs and those programs got a little bit bigger than we anticipated and or had confidence in being able to handle ourselves. So we helped each other and, you know, looked at each other after that and said, we could do this on our own. And here we are nine years later, almost 10 years later after we started. And I mean, look, we're, we've, we're really proud of how far we've come and, and it's really, it's rewarding to coach runners of all abilities. Our, we're always excited for our runners who run their first 5k or their first half marathon or their first marathon, but it's been really fun too the last few years 
to have a lot of runners running Boston and being able to go up to Boston with our runners and um, meet up with them for a team picture and get to see them, uh, their, their excitement and running their first Boston. And we, you know, we've just had a, a several runners qualify for the first time for Boston for 2020. So that's the qualifying window right now. And we are so excited uh, to help them get ready for, for their, their debut at Boston. Cause we know how it is really, you know, I always remember going to Boston that first year when I had no idea what it was. And at the end I said, I will come back here every year. I possibly can, you know, be blessed enough and honored enough and fortunate enough and healthy enough to qualify. I will be back here every year I can. And, um, you know, with the exception of years having kids and, uh, that that's what I've done. So it's, it's such a, it's really neat to see our runners accomplish that same goal. Absolutely. And I love going to Boston. It's our girls. Yes. Weekend. This it's is so this. much fun. So, you know, when I used to go that first time, the first time Dan came with me and uh, learned very quickly that it's very hard to spectate. And that's another, another topic we can touch upon yes. at some point is spectators, but very hard. <laughs> I remember, you know, it started at noon that year. And so I didn't finish till after three o'clock and kind of moseyed on down from the hotel and tried to get into the finish line and see. But as everyone who's run the Boston finish line knows, it's about six deep, at least six deep at the finish line. And he couldn't really see and he missed me. And it was sort of a, you know, kind of pointless for him to be there. So every year after that, I'd go by myself. And I remember my parents saying, oh, you're going all by yourself. And I said, well, I really have like 10, 20, now 30,000 great running friends there. And it was actually really fun. I, what I loved about it was actually, I used to love going to the pasta party, the, the, the BAA pasta party by myself. And I would just sit at a table with a group of runners and I met some of the neatest people. And the same thing in Hopkinton, I'd go by myself on the bus. I'd sit next to somebody, strike up a conversation. When I got to Hopkinton, I'd sit down and inevitably you start to talk to people. And I still keep in touch with some of those people that I met random quote unquote strangers. Um, but it is so nice to go now and have a group of friends there, a group of, you know, our local runners um, to have each other really. That's like my weekend. I look forward to all years, our, our girls weekend in Boston. It's the best. I love our dinner than our and I love together with, with you and all of the Montgomery County Roadrunners. And then I love seeing you in Hopkinton and around. It's super fun. And now with the proliferation of social Facebook, I feel like we've got a lot of friends that we don't know personally, but we feel like we know. And that's really fun to be up in Boston and recognize people. Oh, aren't you so-and-so from so-and-so? And it's just, yeah. it's just such a I mean, everybody there is so happy and grateful to be there. It's just really such a wonderful environment to be a part of. And I just love That's, it. It is. I always tell people that it's really indescribable what it feels like to go into Boston Marathon Weekend. I've never actually been to Boston any weekend other than Marathon Weekend. I've, I've been to Boston now 15 times, and it's every single time is Marathon Weekend. So I don't know what it's like other times of the year, but when you you get off the plane in the airport and there are signs that say welcome marathoners and as soon as you hit the ground it's like everybody's a buzz they're either a runner or somebody who knows a runner or somebody who lives in Boston and is excited the runners are there and it's like it's a community it's really um it's 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 really indescribable and it's such a neat feeling it's it's you know we both of us have done marathons in other big cities like New York and Chicago and here in DC, and none of those feel quite, even New York, which is a really great, you know, huge spectator crowds. You don't feel like the whole city is invested in marathon weekend. And in Boston, it's just all about 
marathon weekend. There's so much pride and there's so much sense of community. It's really, it's indescribable. And it's probably a bit self-selecting because those who don't want to be involved get attacked. Yeah. They, they put their <laughs> um, apartments on Airbnb. Yeah. Which is another thing. <laughs> That's actually a good, so here's a good, like, let's kick off kind of talking about what we're doing logistically to get ready and what everyone should, you know, we tell all of our runners to get done before now or very, very, very quickly if they haven't already. What, you know, like we just booked our flight. So um, yeah. you know, maybe one of you want to talk a little bit about logistics. Yeah. So before we started recording, we really don't need to spend too much time on logistics because at this point, most, if not all people who are running Boston probably booked some sort of uh, situation. But if you but um, one tip that we have found to be really helpful is if you are thinking about a hotel, can't seem to find one in your price range, look last minute, look on Hotwire, look on some of those third hotel sites uh, or two before the race, because things always come up. And that's always a good way to get a room last minute. And of course, as Lisa mentioned, Airbnb is option as well. Also, there are plenty of runners who have hotel rooms, but may want to share just to save costs. So using um, social media and even the Boston Marathon um, Facebook page, there's a lot of chatter on those pages. Find another runner to share room with to cut. Um, yeah, we, word of a word of yeah, warning on Air- Airbnb. We, you know, several years ago, uh, we were successfully able to get a really great apartment. Really, like like a quarter mile from the finish line on Airbnb, and it was great. And um, every year after that, as soon as you put in the dates that you want and you press like, you know, request the booking, they come back and say, oh, no, no, no. Sorry for that weekend. It's like, you know, four times. They're, they're, they've caught on. Everyone's mm-hmm. caught on that they could. Turn. Even our person that we got it from that year, we said, oh, we'd love to come back next year. And he said, oh, sorry, it's already booked for next year. And it actually wasn't. It was back on Airbnb for about four times as much as he had rented it to us. So they, they catch on. So that yeah. you know, might be it's a little bit expensive. But I think your point about last minute if, if you don't have something already which hopefully everyone does but if you don't stuff opens up people cancel stuff opens up if you have to stay near the airport um transportation's pretty easy uh into into the downtown area so if you cambridge is another option to stay in cambridge so it's a little less convenient but it's certainly doable so you can expand your search a little bit Absolutely. And then uh, with respect to flights, I think everyone likes to do it a little differently. Lee, Lee I like to, we like to actually get there on Saturday, spend time before the marathon, and then fly out late Monday night. People like two days after the marathon in Boston. It's just sort of differences. We, with your family. We, yeah. we need to get back to our family. But for those who um, have the ability to stay after the marathon, there's there's a great um, activities after the marathon. Post marathon, yeah. There's the Sam. There's the Sam Adams tour. There you can take a tour and a, um, and there's like a opportunities in the city. Obviously, trail and these are things that obviously it's it's just not wise to um, walk around area to do anyway before the marathon but you know what is a great thing to do the day before the marathon logistically is go to game because it's just super fun super spirited obviously but it is great because you're sitting 
So um, that's something I like to do. And um, I think it's a great activity for, for most marathoners just to kind of get your mind off the race a little bit, have some fun in the shit because you want to have the sun on your face for several hours before a marathon. Yeah. Um, anything else about logistics before we move on to our next topic that you think we should talk about? No, just plan early and, uh, you know, ask, ask people who've done it before and map out where you're going to be and figure out, you know, how you're going to get from place to place. Uh, look at through the Boston, uh, marathon, the BAA's race guides that'll give you information on like where the buses come. Is it, there, you know, there are some logistics involved with, um, you know, cause it's a point to point race and making sure you get on the buses and knowing where you have to go. But that's, we'll talk about it as that gets, as we get closer. Definitely. Okay. So our next topic we wanted to talk about was um, training plans. So we really want to, we're really going to do our, do this little podcast weekly, 14 weeks remaining, 14 weeks of training. And week one is really about just putting your toe in the water, deciding what you want to approach your training for this cycle. And there are so many training plans out there. There are so many different approaches to training. Uh, for those of you listening, probably you've tried many of them. There's the Hanson's plan. There's the traditional uh, five to six with a long run on the weekend. There's the long run every plan. I mean, there's so many plans out there, but really the best training plan is the one that works for you. Um, and what we were talking about earlier is that it is really important and evaluate you want to approach your Boston. The first thing people, where, where is my fitness right now? For example, they ran a Boston qualifier in early September, like Erie, and you just killed it. You, you crushed it, but maybe that was just break. So you long dappled in it but really focused on some other things and now you're back to training maybe um your training plan should not be the exact same training plan that you had this major pr maybe your training plan should start out a bit easier aren't hitting the ground running um maybe putting a lot of stress on your body right away so my first tip is to where your fitness is right now and how to approach your training. Yeah, that's a great tip, especially, you know, and we have this, we have a lot of runners who've just qualified for Boston 2020. So they may not be doing, you know, any marathon or longer distance training now for a year, and then they'll start training for 2020. So we'll look at where they are at that point and determine, you know, we'll obviously make sure they have a proper buildup, but yeah, you're right. You've got to look and see where you are. My, my tip, um, is that more isn't better always. Um, a lot of people think, especially with Boston, they think heartbreak hills, I'm going to go crush the hills, all of my training. And, you know, we've got 14 weeks. That's kind of a long, it's, it's a pretty long stretch and you want to get to the start line healthy. So definitely incorporating some faster runs, some hills, um, some speed work is, is smart, but you've got to be careful about how you do it and training, running, hills every week as hard as you can isn't going to prepare you any better for running through heartbreak hills hills because there are hills through the heartbreak hill section of boston then some smart strength training smart hills incorporated into your schedule and related to that is 
you know, uh, group training, um, which is, you know, just kind of tangential that if you're running with a group, um, and it can be any group the, the, the trend in groups, and it's just a natural, I think human, uh, it's just inclination is that nobody wants to be the slowest in the group or the weakest in the group. So everyone pushes the pace just a little bit or thinks running a little faster, a little harder, um, groups are great motivation for that, especially for speed work. You know, when you run with people who are faster than you, they help bring you up to that level, but doing that on some of the longer runs or more regularly and, and too much, you know, you've, you've got to back to what you said, you've got to do what's right for you. So if that group run is the pace is picking up a little too much, the course is a little bit hilly and a little bit too challenging for your week that you've had, um, you got to know when to, um, back it off a little bit. So being smart about your training and, and, and deliberate with where you put those workouts. And similarly, information out there now, I mean, if you Instagram and you just put in the hashtag Boston 2019, there are just each day thousands of pictures of people posting their workouts it's so motivational and it's so fun to kind of see how same things that you are around the country and around the world. But at the same time, it can be a slippery slope because when you look at a literal shot, a runner is doing on their speed day and you, you, you may look at that really good workout. I'm going to try that this week. Well, you don't know where that workout came from. That, training is not in a vacuum. Maybe that runner who put that workout person did uh, two five goals at on with a five minute rest in between. And, you know, first month into training, maybe that runner had a really, really solid base because that runner had been doing half marathon training, didn't have a really fresh legs is using that um, as a tune-up or a half marathon tune-up race that they're doing in March. We don't know what the background is to these workouts that people share. And so I think it's important to be mindful of what Lisa just mentioned before, which is know for you, trust your instincts and trust that what you're doing is good for you. And if you, if you're not sure, I, I feel like a good reminder is less is more. If um, 12 intervals and you only have time for 10, but if you do the last two super, super fast, you race your cool down back to, back to your house to get ready for work. You know what? Just skip the last two intervals because that's not really what was the intention of the workout. And, and you're going to leave that workout with just a little bit more energy and, and cumulatively just being mindful of these workouts and understanding what you need to Build um, better, better training, and also hopefully an injury-free season. Right, absolutely. I think we've both probably been. I mean, I know I do this where I look at what other people are doing who are getting ready for Boston. I may see, you know, what what a local training group is doing, or what I see somebody posted their workout, and I start to panic, like, oh shoot, should I be doing that? And I think, I think for both of us, we've done this enough times and been this around enough times to know that we can rest back on like, nope, I'm doing what's right for me. This has worked before, you know, I qualified, I, I know what I'm doing. Um, it helps to reach out to coaches, to have a coach to guide you back to that, you know, accountability and that guidance um, and really just to trust and not panic. Um, I, I think you're right, you know, Strava is another social media 
you know, tool that can cause people to compare. And like you always like to say, comparison is the thief of joy. We can't, we, we know if you, if you've made it to Boston and you've qualified, you're, you're, you're a strong runner and you just have to, like you said at the very beginning, you've got to know what works for you and not fall into that trap of looking at what other people are doing and thinking, Oh gosh, I better, I better do the same thing. Okay. So, um, I think time, tell me what, what are you doing this week? How are you taking off your boss? Yeah, that's a great, you know, I was just thinking about that. Um, I always get a little bit mournful towards the end of December and excited towards the end of December because, you know, I run a fall marathon and then I really take it and keep it low key and recover. Uh, and I always think in my head, well, I have until January until I have to start Boston training. And then December 31st comes and I think, Oh gosh, Boston training is, is around the corner. <laughs> so, um, you know, I did this year and you did the same thing. I did a, a 5k on new year's day. I hadn't done any races really. I did a Thanksgiving one day race that was eh, just so, so, and you know, hadn't done, I haven't been done doing a ton of running or anything focused. And I thought, let's just you know, do a 5k on New Year's Day, a lot of people were going to it. And so I did that this week. And that, you know, I, I like that. And I like that for our runners too to give kind of, first of all, get you excited. It got me excited about running. And it's always fun to be at a race and around your running friends and talking to people about racing. And um, it gives you a baseline, like where, where am I? So that was good. But that, you know, we had a holiday week. So uh, the schedule was a little, a little screwy. Um, and, you know, I like to do my long runs on Thursdays. My schedule just uh, works out that I can do my long runs on Thursdays. So um, I started out this week with a 14 mile easy long run because that was two days after the race. So, you know, just kind of rested back and, and got in my first, you know, relatively longer long run in a while, a 14 mile run. And, uh, you know, just been easing, easing into it, but that's sort of how I kick it off was, I mean, this year was with the race, but also thinking it's back to my first, um, somewhat longer long run. I usually started about 14 miles. So that's where I started this week. And, um, you know, I've been thinking too about like, what, is there anything I want to do differently this time? Uh, and, uh, or can do differently. And, uh, you know, I, I had won this, uh, this, uh, monthly free massages at a local massage uh, school uh, through a race. One of my race prizes was that, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take advantage of that and do a one massage. It's one once a month through the Love whole it. year. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take advantage of that and see, I've never done massage really before during my training. Um, so I'm going to do that and I'm going to focus you know, I had a good race this week and I kept thinking like, why was it good? I didn't really, I haven't done a lot of training, but you know, I thought I had great sleep the week before it was a holiday week. You know, we got kids weren't in school, got to sleep a little more. And I always say, I'm going to do this. And it tends to slide as the year goes by and the months go by and work picks up and other things pick up, but I'm really trying to focus on sleep and getting to bed, you know, nine, 10 o'clock at night. So if I'm waking up at 6am, I can try to get a solid eight hours of sleep. Cause I feel like that, that recovery is kind of where I'm focusing more this year. So the massage and getting some sleep and trying to take good care of myself and not try to pile on too much on top of that. I think that sounds like a great plan now by way of explanation. So you, you raced, you had a great race on New Year's day. And then two days later you ran your long run. Yeah. How did, how did you feel? And what was your race pace? And then what was your long run pace on Thursday? That's good. That's a good point. So what was my race pace? I don't know. My finish time was 1945, 44, 47 or something. So, uh, that's like um, a six, uh, well, I don't know. I really, I don't even know. It's like six, 
uh, I don't know. I have to look it up. I think it's like a six. I want to say six thirty, maybe a little under six thirty. I don't, I don't know, somewhere yeah. around there. So let's say that's yeah. typically my five k pace is six thirty to six forty five, and I ran that fourteen mile run at about. 845. So okay. I mean, that's a big, that's a, I, I think my long runs, I tend to run my easy runs really easy. Like I don't ever, and, and that may be because I, and, and this is worth mentioning too, like I owe do all of my training by myself. So if I ran with a group, I may end up running a little faster, but I like to have my time alone. I like to run my pace, my effort. And so that's, you know, we always tell our runners about a minute to a minute and a half slower than, you know, 10 K pace. And, uh, but but so it's, it's, a, it's about two minutes slower, more than two minutes slower. But, you know, that's funny because, you know, we run into a lot of runners who are like, think that if they're running their long runs at 830s or 845s, that's slow. And I'm thinking, gosh, you're running faster than I run my long runs. It's, yeah. It, it doesn't, I, I, it doesn't bother me again. It's a factor, I guess, of being, I've done this enough times to know that it's never, you know, I can run my long runs at that pace and I can still run a strong marathon. So, um, yeah, so that was, it was about two minutes per mile different than my race pace. Nice. So what about you? You had a good race on, you had a good race too. I did. I ran a different race, um, in in DC and I had been, um, a lot the days before because we drove back from Florida and, um, late night Eve. So I didn't really know what to expect, but I, I too had a strong race, um, on Tuesday. I'm not sure why. Um, I didn't get a lot of sleep the night before, but I, I was rested from being on vacation the week before. And like you, I, I very much believe that makes a tremendous difference. I also do well in heat and just running and the of my muscles arm from that. I think that coupled with a random 60 degree day. Right. That was going to say it was, an, it was our perfect running weather was, on Tuesday. Yes all came together and and like you I had around a 6 630 to 640 pace for the 5k which um was really good for me and um I also coincidentally ran my long run this week on Thursday and that <laughs> is because we had the um yeah the we didn't even talk about that that's funny we didn't even talk about that no so we both uh, work at the Montgomery County Red Runners Club run performance lab where we volunteer and help uh community form and stride and um give coaching advice so as a result i moved shifted around and did saturday long run on thursday morning um around the millennium trail and route and a tad bit faster than what i normally would have liked to have done on my first 14 miler I think my average pace was around 845, 850. And I'm my long runs and easy runs and nines. Um, I just, for me, that is my spot for easier runs and long. I can really nail my speed workouts. Um, But I felt okay. I'm not sure if that pace would have been um, sustainable for a longer run for it to feel easy, but my heart rate seemed to be okay zone and it was for this past Thursday, but I'm definitely, my goal with this training cycle is also as every training cycle to, um, get a lot of sleep. I find that, or I'm, I not only run better, but I'm just a nicer human and that is absolutely important to me. 
Um, my issue, and I'm sure there's a lot of same issue. A lot of driving night just have um, later activities in the evenings that prevent me from going to bed as early as I'd like. I try very hard to get into my bed before 10. I have a high schooler now, times me for homework, but we really try to finish everything up and I try to get into bed before 10. But I also work downtown three days a week. On the days I'm not teleworking, I have to knock out my, my run really, really early in the morning. So what I'm trying really hard to do is to not be so regimented about the time I run. And when it's possible and when I'm teleworking, I run a little bit later in the morning. That allows me more sleep. Getting up every day at five to run. I'm getting up maybe during the week at five to run. And then on the other days, I'm getting up later and running after uh, my daughter gets on the school bus at 7.45. And I'm still able to start my day earlier. That's something I'm really trying to, to be mindful about. And then the other thing that um, I want to continue doing for this training cycle that I did last year for Boston, just in a, straight, a, a focus on training is um, cry. I really feel like that helps. Yeah, it did. Recovery. Are you going to? You know, it's, it, for me, it's, it's the cost, you know, it's, it's yeah. it, in, it, in the long, in the bigger scheme of things, we look at it as a expense that, you know, that we pay so that we can train healthy. It's just like buying a good pair of shoes. Like, you know, it's, it's worth, it's a worthwhile cost. So I really like it. It's, you know, both of us have big family uh, events and expenses this year. So, yeah. so that's my hesitation. I did, you know, we've shared this before. I've, I've definitely noticed a difference and then I didn't do it last training cycle for my fall marathon. And I felt a difference, you know, when the mileage gets up higher, both of us have really felt that that cryotherapy uh, helped us recover so that we were running stronger throughout the training season. So I'm, 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 I'm tempted to, we'll see. I'm, I'm going to start with massage and see how that goes. And I may turn to cryotherapy, maybe the last month of training or when the mileage gets high, but I really like it. It just figuring out where to, where to spend the money this year. Really? I think compromise um, where, you know, you'll try to, I think, I think they're both recovery tools. I don't, I don't think it matters in terms of um, which one you try. It's really effective. I know for me, and I worked with Terrell after Boston 2018, which we'll talk about in another podcast. Um, it, it helped me a lot with recovery after that race because I was so beat up. So I know yep. so many people really bad. Hopefully the, the one you won, whatever you're. Yeah. I hope, I hope it's good. You'll have to keep us posted. Um, well, we'll see. Okay. So we're going to start wrapping this. We wanted to conclude with some questions. Uh, some closing thoughts. So Lisa, I'm going to ask you this question. What is the one piece of advice um, that for anyone training for Boston and spring marathons? What's the one piece of advice you'd leave people with today? Good question. I, I think remembering that you are in, you are, you've made it to Boston. Like you are in, this is your victory lap. And of course everyone wants to run well and go to Boston and do well. And it would be nice to requalify, but that you're in and have that confidence in yourself. And we've talked about this throughout 
our discussion today, but knowing what's right for you and trusting your instincts um, and staying healthy uh, throughout, because you, if you can't get to the start line healthy, it's, it's all for naught. Um, so, and, and enjoying the process, like it's almost like, you know, when you're planning a wedding or a big exciting event and it's on the horizon and then you get there and it's done and you're like, wait, I you know, what just happened. And so enjoying this process, the excitement, um, the buildup, uh, you know, all of that, just really being in the moment and looking, what do I need to do today? And how is this helping me get towards Boston? How is it helping me stay healthy? And, and remembering again, that you, you're, you're in like, not only just qualified because, you know, a lot of people qualify and unfortunately don't even make it in, but you're in. And now your job is to get to that start line, healthy and ready and just trust in your training. What about you? What would you say? Uh, I, I have a couple of things. I think my my biggest piece of advice is you are not only as good as your last run. Um, we all have bad workouts. And when you have a bad workout, which will inevitably happen during this training cycle, don't make it into some big symbol of, of your fitness or how your training's going. Just brush it off and move on to the next workout. Don't dwell on it. We all we all have bad days and there's, there's no reason to uh, make any assumptions or conclusions based on a workout that didn't go your way. And similarly, uh, don't be so hard on yourself. I think that we're, none of us are professional runners and none of us have the luxury of devoting all of our tools in life to our sport. And I don't even know if that's a luxury. I don't think that's very healthy, but I think it's important to know that we are also blessed with this hobby. We have a passion that we enjoy. And in addition to, as you mentioned, enjoying the journey, I think it's to just thanks to what our bodies allow us to do. It sounds so cheesy, but I think when, when we're, when we run grateful and we run happy, we run better. So Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's my little nugget of advice. And, what uh, about motivation? What would you tell people to, you know, stay motivated? How do you, you know, we're so far out, we're still 14 weeks. It's a little challenging to get motivated when something's that far in the future. What would you say is a good way to get motivated? I think a good way to, I think visualization is a great motivation tool because sometimes, I mean, when that alarm goes off at five in the morning or sometimes for me, four forty-five, it is really hard to get out of bed, especially if the wind is whipping. And one motivation for me is I just kind of remember why I'm doing it, my why. And my why for this training cycle is getting to Boston healthy and prepared. And my sort of mini why within that, I've, I've got my friend Felix waiting for me. He's my running buddy during the season. I want to leave him hanging. And <laughs> if, if Felix isn't, isn't there waiting for me and I'm running on my own, I, I try to ha- come up with some sort of incentive and that incentive involves either a podcast or a good audible book. I listen to podcasts with one earbud or no earbud in my pocket so I can hear everything around me. And um, I, I find that to be a very helpful tool to keep me motivated. I, um, I hope that this podcast will be that for someone else listening out there during this training cycle. Yeah, I would have to say, you know, you remember we went to go see when we went to see Boston, the documentary. Yes. Remember we saw that in the movie theater together. I would tell somebody, watch that. You can actually get it on iTunes now or purchase a DVD. 
um, that to me, like, that's what I play through my head when I, you know, when I start to lose a little bit of motivation and it pumps me right back up. So I think, you know, watching something like that or reading Boston race recaps or um, just feeling that excitement and, and really that, that documentary to me really captured what's so special about Boston. So I think maybe something like that, but that's all, like you said, visualization and being able to visualize yourself there. I love that. Well, this has been great. I'm so glad we, we, are doing this. And I think this is a super fun way for both of us to catch up with each other and provide some information to everyone out there and speak, which we really want to make this podcast for others too. So we were talking earlier and we really would love out there to provide us with that you would like us to discuss feedback. And you can do that by sending us a Facebook message to our Facebook page, Run farther and faster, or our page, uh, DM Run farther and faster. You can tweet at us, Run farther fast, or you can email us at Julie and Lisa at Run farther and And uh, we'll be back next week with more tips and training advice for everyone out there. And um, in the meantime, I hope you have a great week, Lisa. You Happy. too. Good to see you this morning. You too. See you All later. Right. Bye.